You're listening to Two Pauls and a Pod. I'm Paul Merriman. And I'm Paul Reid. In this episode, I am very pleased that we are joined by Peter Daly, a chartered accountant. Now, Peter's not just a chartered accountant. He has a really cool story, which I know Paul Reid's really excited about. <laughs> so let's get this out of the way. Paul, he's your friend. Yeah. And you have a lot of respect for him. Well, I'm going to embarrass the hell out of you because I actually haven't seen Peter in a while just because of circumstances of life. But uh, he's one of the best actors I know. And that's a fact. And he's cringing now as well. But it is a fact. And it's not just me. It's it's literally everyone. Anyone that's worked with Peter uh, as an actor has nothing but good things to say. About you were as saying a person, that, yeah. he's not the best. But like, uh, <laughs> as an actor, he's brilliant. Um, no, he is. He's phenomenal and a great writer. And yeah, we will we'll get into that a bit as well, particularly the one-man show you did. Literally a one-man show in theatre about finance. Well, Pretty much, wasn't it? I'm mortified. I know. I'm pretty <laughs> mortified. Yeah, he is. He's cringing. He's he is up. cringing, yeah. Sorry. He, he, I should have told you I was going to come. Leave the poor guy alone. He's only sitting in the chair. I know, but look, yeah. Look, Peter, suppose, obviously, from a, we're going to talk about tax and accountancy um, scenarios, suppose. We've got a few questions in for you as well. Before we get into that, uh, and without Paul's um, embarrassing um, speech about you there, yeah. do you want to give us a bit of background about yourself, uh, I think, and for listeners as well? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, as Paul said, uh, I'm an actor. I wouldn't quite big myself up as much as he just did. Uh, I became an accountant first. I qualified in 1999 and I did something I always wanted to do. I became an actor. And like most other actors <laughs> in this country, it's very hard to survive just on acting. So I still rely on the accountancy in the background. Okay. I still do it, have done it the whole time. I worked for other people for a long time. And then about eight years ago, I set up on my own. So I now have a kind of a mini chartered accountancy practice. It's just me and two other part-time people. And uh, I've got a lot of um, clients who work in the arts and then a lot of people who don't work in the arts. So yeah. So, and then in the background, then I write and I act. Okay, so let's say in the forefront, you are a chartered accountant and now in the background, it's the acting and the writing. It's not the other way around. So you're not, you wouldn't consider, well, if I said your day, what do you do? Uh, for professional indemnity insurance purposes, <laughs> uh, I'm a full-time chartered accountant. Um, look, there's been years in the past when there was more acting than accountancy. Okay. And that's usually when I was working for other people. I used to kind of go in and do a contract with accountancy, with very flexible. I could take the work away with me and do a play or whatever, and it would be a lot of acting. But definitely the acting started to slow down about six or seven years ago, right. for whatever reason. Just happens. I, I think I started saying no to jobs I felt I was repeating myself with. I kind of got a bit bored with myself for a while. Okay. Started doing a bit more writing, which is much more solitary and stuff like that. Um, and I've focused on that more over the last few years. Brilliant. Less acting, more writing. I did a play last year called Lost Lear, which went out very well, hoping it'll come back this year. And then every so often I'll kind of pick something else up that I really enjoy doing, but I'm more selective I think than I used to be, you know. Brilliant. And also more horse than I used to be. All I was like, I'm going to drink water. <laughs> but you're not really selective with your clients because Paul's a client, isn't he? He is a client. <laughs> yeah. So you work with anybody. I do. I'll take any old scraps off the table. No, I, uh, Paul is one of my favourite clients. Yeah, thanks. I'm really not. I wreck his head. I yeah. actually just remembered I probably have to submit some bloody thing. I'm just looking at him like, oh yeah, shit. Yeah. Actually, we'll get into that in a second. Sure. Actually, we get into it now. I'd say every accountant I know will say that the, the worst part the job is getting the information off the clients obviously isn't it yeah and I, I have to be honest I've spent the last year trying to figure out better ways to do it whether it was tech or whether oh, it was something man. like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, it's all tech like, yeah. and yeah. it's all about kind of standardising the questions and narrowing the responses yeah. down so yeah. you're not kind of 
make it as objective as possible. Yeah, yeah. So Which anyone... has, has really, really helped me, uh, honestly, and a lot of different actors <laughs> you as well. said you still, I'm still Phil standing from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's helped me to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, uh, very good. So just, just to get out of the way, for anyone listening or any accountants listening in particular, or any clients of accountants listening, do your accountant a favour and uh, get your shit together and get everything into them <laughs> as soon as possible. Exactly. Um, so Peter, sorry, um, from an accountancy point of view uh, in the chart accounting, you work with a lot of people that will be... Um, in the acting as well as community obviously because you're an actor as well mm. what are your top things that you feel from a self I'm going to go deal with self-employed people mm. first for a second we're going to the PAY workers as well mm. from a self-employed point of view what's the biggest advice you'd give to self-employed people and uh, from repetitive questions or repetitive errors you feel, feel, uh, come across yeah that's a really good question I think that taking a step back the first thing I'd say to people people listening who are worried about the tax man is that that anxiety you carry around with you about the tax man, it, it, it can be debilitating. Yeah. And I would like people to kind of take a step back and kind of go, the tax man is for the most part interested in big amounts of money. They don't care about 100 euro, 200 euro, possibly even 300, 500 euro. They care about larger amounts of money. So I think sometimes when I get the information through, people are panicking about whether or not they, they can't find a receipt for 65 euro. And I'm just going, that is never going to be an issue here. There's a certain amount of materiality, certain amount of hours, errors you're allowed to have in your return before revenue even start to get cranky. So don't be worrying about the small numbers. Another thing I'd say is that some time people come to me because they've earned a little bit on the side and they're starting to panic, afraid they're going to go to jail if they don't tell revenue about it. There's a reporting, uh, there's a, a, an amount below which you don't have to do a Form 11 self-employed tax return. Right. And that magic amount is €5,000. It's €5,000 after expenses. If you earn more than €5,000 after expenses from any non-PAYE source, so it could be self-employed income, could be dividend, could be rental, or it could be a combination of all those. If it's below that, you are not what's known as a chargeable person. You don't have to register for income tax and you don't have to do a Form 11. You are supposed to tell revenue about it through your My Account. Very simple income tax return on My Account, which all PAYE workers can access. But below that, you don't need to worry about it. So kind of somebody might come and go, I've earned two grand. I did this one-off job beside my PAYE job and I earned two grand. What do I do now? Don't panic about it. Or I'm teaching guitar or dancing totally. or totally. something's coming in the side. Exactly. You are supposed to tell revenue and they can ask you to do a return, but you don't have an obligation to register for income tax and do that longer Form 11 self-employed tax return unless your non-PAY income is above five grand. And just to say, you therefore don't have to pay the tax on that money there because you know, it's not chargeable. Well, actually, it is t chargeable. If it's below five grand, what happens is that you stick it into that very simple income tax return and then they spread it across your tax credits. Yeah, but they, you don't have to pay. Sorry, you want to say sorry, you don't, yes, you don't have a tax payment to make. They'll exactly. take it off your income. Exactly. Yeah, They'll take it off tax. your tax yeah, credits. They'll reduce your tax credits. Exactly. Great. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, the main thing is just don't panic about the small stuff. And then this, that leads into keeping good records from the very start. When people used to come to me at the start, when I was working for myself and they'd say, do I need to set up a business bank account? I'd always go, oh... I don't want people to incur extra costs on an extra business bank account and stuff like that. Let's keep it simple. You probably don't need to. But actually, as time has gone on, yeah. just open up that separate. It doesn't have to be a business account, according to the bank. It just has to be a separate current account. Mm. And just try and funnel all the income and all the expenses through that account. Now, as a financial planner, I'm going to be big on that one because yeah. I find a lot of people mix up their personal finances and their business finances. Yeah. And I always like to see people run their own personal account through a personal bank and anything to do with a business sole trader or a limited sole trader 
going through exactly. the business accounts or the other accounts. Yeah. Whether it's a Revolut account if you're only starting off or whether it is a business bank account. And the main reason I'd like to see that is that from a financial planning point of view, your personal life, you need to know what your number is on a monthly basis. You need to know what your your rent, your heat, your food on the table, you know, um, closing your back, etc., feeding the kids. You need to know what that figure is on a monthly basis and it needs to come from your business account. I think when they get the chunked in together in one account, people get all over the place. Oh, they get totally. very confused at what's a business expense, what's a personal expense. Um, but plus they don't know what they're making or don't, don't understand what they're spending money on either. Totally. It's all just too and then, confusing. And this is what slows them down. They're pulling all their information together and they see that €1,200 coming into the account and they're what going, what's that for? Is that income? Yeah. Or is that me putting in from, is that my, was that a loan I got from my parents? Yeah. Is that a gift? <laughs> so yeah, if you've got it all in one business bank account, it just takes some of that stress and anxiety out of it at the end of the year. Very good. Okay, excellent. Excellent. I'd be totally, totally agreeing with that one. Um, okay, next major tip then for people. Yeah, um, Sometimes when, particularly when people are starting off being self-employed for the first time, mm-hmm. so they're, you know, heading down. I'll, I'll pick an example of a, a business that is hard to plan for, being an actor or being an artist. One year you might make, if you're really lucky, 60 grand. The next year might be 20 grand. Next year might be 40 grand. So actually doing a bit of budgeting, trying to figure out the tax bill is very, very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. There are tons of online tax-ready reckoners. PricewaterhouseCoopers is a very good one. You can plonk in. 20 grand or 40 grand, 60 grand and get a sense of what the tax bill yeah. is going to be. And unfortunately, the Irish tax system, the tax computation is so complicated. You'd need a degree in mathematics just to get to yeah, the Yeah, you would, yeah. You've got three different taxes and about 25 pieces of information to work it out properly. So rather than kind of trying to figure that out from the start, use one of these ready reckoners. Also, what can be really, really confusing is that somebody going from 20 grand to 40 grand logically might go, well, my tax bill is probably going to double. And it's not. Yeah. It's going to go up by a factor of about five because those first 20 grands, 20 grand of income is being protected by tax credits, lower USC bans and different things like that. So actually getting a sense of that is tricky and just spending a little bit of time, half an hour, just plonking in. What if I earn 20 grand? What if I earn 25, 30? Mm. And just seeing what that graph does. Those tax exponentially. Those tax calcs are really good. Actually, I always promote the Deloitte one, Deloitte.ie. Deloitte exactly. have a really good one where you can put in. And as well, one of the questions I always get asked on the Instagram page is, um, I am married or I get married. What's the tax advantage? I always say to people, don't be getting engaged and getting married just for tax reasons <laughs> that's what I did but it was worth it it was worth it Lauren's not going to be happy with you <laughs> Lauren do you hear that Lauren yeah. nice. Paul Merriman just mentioned you uh, so I suppose with the big one I get is that the, the tax so if you're going from say a a couple that are married, uh, one's on 50 grand, one's on 30 grand, whatever it is, how they share the tax rates. Those tax calculators are really good because actually if you're married or single. So, and really important again, if somebody's maybe had a baby or they're, going on, they're married and they're going on maternity leave or unpaid leave, they can go to that tax regular, find out what they're paid uh, or what, what the tax is going to mean exactly. if somebody comes down from 50 grand to 40 grand, 30 yeah. grand for example. Like. Mm. Um, exactly. Okay. And actually, I often get that clients might come to me and say, I'm married, is there tax breaks and stuff like that? Generally speaking, if both uh, both people in a married couple are above around 40 grand. There's no difference. No difference. Yeah. If one is much higher and one's much lower, there's a big difference. Mm. And if both are quite low, there can be a difference with yeah. the shared tax credits. Yeah. It's not, sorry, we say it's quite low. It's still only 1,800 quid or so. Was it like as an actually yeah. to your back pocket because it's, actually, it's 20% of the higher rate, isn't it? 10 if, grand. If you had a married couple and one wasn't working at all and they had a kid, 
I think the benefit is about five grand because you have... If the other person's not working at all. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or even if the second, the lower paid person is below 7,200 and they have a kid, there's about 5,000. If it's below 7,200 and there's no kid... Because they qualify with the carers. Exactly. Home carers... uh, Home carers tax credit is one of the... It's terribly named home care. It sounds like you're minding a, a disabled child. Exactly. Yeah, or an older person. Yeah, it's terrible. And actually it can be any kid yeah. uh, as long as one of the people in a married couple is below a certain amount of income. Yeah. You can share the what's known as the increased standard band allowance, which is nine grand. You're allowed to shove from the higher paid person to the lower paid person to move it from 40% to 20%. That has a potential to save you 1,800 euro. Then if one person's at a very low income, you've got tax credits, which can save you up to in 2023, 1,775. And then you've got this home cares, which is currently, I think, 1,600, possibly 1,700. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, listen to all this, sorry, just from my point of view, I, I will suggest that people, because I already am going, I want to take notes on that and just rewind that 15 second button on whatever <laughs> podcast thing you're there, because that's va- such valuable information. It is, yeah. That's a lot of numbers being thrown around because mm. I'm sitting here going, wow, that's a lot to take in. But it's really clear to listen to it again and just don't be, you know. And as we said already, yeah, those those kind of what I would call them ready reckoners on Deloitte's website or yeah. PricewaterhouseCoopers. Revenue's website is an excellent resource. Nice. It's got all the credits, mm. all the different things, all in one place. They've got sections for PAY workers, section for... And they're self-employed. not the big bad wolf that no. people think they no. are. You can actually ring them and ask them as well. They're yeah. not that... Oh, oh, you're getting nervous, Bobby. I'm actually sweating. <laughs> like, it's mad. Like, even put in your details in revenue, I feel like someone's going to ring me up and go where have you been <laughs> like it's mad they I'm telling you revenue, I know and it's revenue, a great website revenue want you, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope revenue are listening to yeah, this they are I'm what's f- your number again Paul oh, he's very cl- Paul Reed is very compliant oh, don't oh, send yeah. me full name don't send me full name <laughs> <laughs> sorry I meant Paul Reed yeah thanks, thanks. Uh, I am thanks uh, very good no well. revenue are great and in fact they've got a couple of phone numbers um, yeah. and if you're phoning revenue uh, as a PAY worker, I think the number is 01738 I think, or 3663, I'm not sure. You can get on the website, but phone them at exactly 9.30 in the morning <laughs> and the wait will be about six minutes. At 10.30, really? it's going to take you 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. I, if I have to phone them, 9.30, first thing. Wow. Mm. Do they know you well? Like, would they no. know you? No, no, there's so many of them. In fact, <laughs> they have a photograph of yeah, yeah. this. That bold yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, they, they've got a... Uh, they have a calendar of all the accountants when yeah, it tops yeah. off in the Revenue Commissioner's yeah. office. How about it, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the firemen do it yeah. every year. Just all, I think, the, all, I the, really good look, all the really good-looking accountants. <laughs> and me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in July. Uh, the Revenue have a very good email service called My Inquiries, which you can access via my account or through Ross, the self-employed platform. Uh, And and actually, email inquiries are the best way to go because there's a record of them. They do the best to get back to you. And I think they, this could be, I'm sure this is not official policy, but I'm sure they make the phone line take a long time to, they take a long time to answer the phone line to encourage you to use the email service. Yeah, they do. And I always find, I know all calls are recorded as well uh, for training and quality purposes, but I do find when somebody puts something in writing back to somebody, Mm. they definitely put a little bit more effort into it and because there's a there's a record I know there's a record in the phone lines but they don't get checked yeah, yeah, that yeah. often uh, where you when you have a you know if somebody said something or whatever but you know or I'll have this email and you told me X, Y and Z you're kind of okay you, yeah, you're in a much better situation big time um, you, you did touch on a couple of things there uh, Peter you want to explore more if you don't mind uh, for listeners one is the my account you mentioned mm. that kind of just put passing and writing yeah. to the five grand so 
every PAY worker should be registered for my account in my opinion I presume you're with me oh, on that big yeah. time yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so would you mind explaining to listeners the my account section and what it does certainly yeah so my account uh, is a platform that anybody with a PPS number can register for once you register there are different boxes on it very nicely coloured uh, boxes. Uh, one of them has all the PAYE stuff. So if you're starting a new PAYE job or you're leaving a job or you're trying to split your credits between two different active PAYE jobs or you're looking for money back uh, through health expenses or different things like that from your PAYE work over the last four years or you need to tell revenue about a small amount of non-PAY income, that magic number below five grand, you can do it all through the very first box on my account. And it's really useful. It's like review your tax 2018 to 2022 or update yeah. your tax 2023. Then separately from that, you can access your local property tax. You can access tax clearance if you need it for a financial institution. You can also register for income tax, which is revenues term for registering as self-employed via the my account platform. And then there's lots of other things you can make payments. If you if you um, get a tax bill, as you said earlier on, you don't necessarily have to pay your tax bill, mm -hmm. but you can if you want. If you don't want it following you around for four years by reducing your credits, you can actually make a payment through my account. You can update your bank details for refund purposes. Lots of things. It's a useful service. Yeah, it is. The, the my inquiries, sending emails, that's all available through my account as well. And you mentioned that you can go back four years. So the biggest one we'd probably see for clients is the tax for, say, medical expenses for exactly. kids over four years. If anyone's listening to your PA work and you've never, ever claimed a medical receipt, if you've got kids, you're pretty much guaranteed there's a few hundred quid. There's no way you have kids you haven't been to. A, 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 G, a VHI clinic, a lay clinic, or you haven't got a prescription you've had to pay for, or something mm. between usually with parents and a couple of kids, you're going to definitely have something over four years yeah, that can. you're going to get away with. So you can go in there, put your seat in. Uh, you can go back four years. It's like a little excess spreadsheet. It's really cool. You go yeah. like 2022, 2022, 2021, 2020, and uh, 19, and then you could be due a hefty refund. Big time. Uh, for medical expense point of view as well, but I'm saying that for people that is, you know, you can go back four years. Uh, you probably don't know where you were four years ago. So go into your chemist, your GP, or, you know, if you think you were in the VHI clinic or wherever you were. But make sure you don't claim for things twice. So if you have personal health insurance or private health insurance, insurance um, and you have got 50 euro back on a 100 euro visit somewhere you can only claim for the other 50 euro through taxes so don't be, don't be claiming for both um, the other thing that I do as a trick and there's loads of apps out there as people always say about the receipts I'm going to ask you about the time and the receipts now in a second I actually have a Gmail account so let's just say example it was Paul's receipts at gmail.com or Paul's medical receipts at gmail.com every time I get a receipt from any of the kids or myself and Sarah I just literally take a photograph and just send it to my Gmail or that Gmail account and I put in the subject line you know VHI clinic 100 quid and then I go back at the end of the year and in the subject line it just gives me all my costs it's a great idea and I don't, I'm stealing that yeah, yeah there you go and I don't, have, I don't have to go into the actual email and see it then because in the subject line yeah. and then I can keep them for as many years but they'll be there forever on Gmail uh, there are different apps out there but I don't like the different apps because I don't trust because some of those receipts have your PPSN number, yeah. your 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 might have your receipt for your mm -hmm. v, your visa on it, and I'm just a bit skeptical about the apps mm -hmm. I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. So I trust Gmail. That's a, that's a great idea actually, and I'm gonna definitely gonna steal that. One of the questions I often get as well is, what actually are you allowed to claim back, yeah. particularly yeah. with medical expenses? Well, revenue have an excellent big long list of what is allowable and what's not allowable. Stuff like for dental and uh, eye care, ophthalmic care. 
generally speaking, routine dental and routine ophthalmic care is not allowed. So you're getting your eye test or getting new glasses, not allowed, or getting fillings or a checkup, not allowed. But non-routine dental is allowed. And then there's a massive big long list of other stuff that is allowed uh, in general medical expenses and stuff that isn't. And then certain things are allowed if they're recommended or prescribed by, by a doctor. The Actually, the big one there is celiacs. Oh, yes. Yeah, so if you're celiac and you have like, uh, you know, you go to Dunn stores and you buy your gluten-free mm. bread. Yeah. That's allowable. And yeah. actually, if you want to the value... Yeah. yeah, if you... Don't be no, pretending no. you're celiac. I've, I so. can't eat bread. I have issues. No. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, you're just in. Yeah, yeah, I have issues. I, I, I have loads of issues there. And if you have to drink like Guinness or Bulmers, you know my best. <laughs> That's allowed. No, but seriously, if you're a celiac, right? And you have... have friends who are. Yeah, and you, yeah. say, have gluten-free bread, mm-hmm. it does stores and Tesco, I think, if you want your value club or whatever it's called, uh, it will track your receipts and get you to know what you spent on gluten-free products. Huh. And if your GP has subscri- prescribed them, uh, you'll get them back on your med warrant, up to 20%. Sorry, the tax return here is 20% on their tax rebate is 20%. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so a lot of people don't well, know There's that. a few listeners that will be listening to this one in particular, they're actors, and I, they will be listening. Get on it. Yeah, because yeah. since they are celiac yeah. and they do spend a lot of money on that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so that, that list is there, Peter. It's a really good list on the mm-hmm. revenue.re uh, website. And you can go, or you just put in the med, med one uh, list on yeah. Google, you'll get it, okay? Exactly. There's some really kind of funky stuff on there. So, what about uh, plastic surgery, uh, yeah. hair, hair restoration? Yeah, sure. Breast so, implants, not for me. Um, yeah. Um, so, revenue do have some very specific rules about that. And I think that they generally, generally say that. Things like Botox and that, even though they're given by a doctor, are not an eligible expense unless they're to correct some other uh, malady or whatever you would call it. Okay. So I'd go and look at the details of that just to see what's... Getting old, isn't it? Uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> what about um, like the likes of hair restoration, which I probably will get someday, sure. to be honest with you. I don't really need it right now. Um, or teeth <laughs> yeah. or some of that. But in our industry particularly, where it's like, you know, would it be to your advantage or do you need a doctor? What are you laughing at? So <laughs> I, that's a really good question, Paul. Well, you're looking for a sponsor, aren't I you? Am, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're probably jumping slightly ahead, but, but I'll answer the question because yeah, it's so. a really good one. So my understanding of the question is that what if you're getting something that might help your trade? If your trade is as an actor, mm-hmm. using revenues uh, description of something, you can have a trade as a plumber, a, trade, a profession as an accountant, a uh, trade as an actor, so or a profession as an actor. And something like uh, maybe getting hair restoration or getting your teeth whitened, does it you could argue that it is a business expense and it's kind of furthering your trade, mm-hmm. but it might also foul, fall foul of a very specific rule that revenue has about business expenses is that they have to be wholly and exclusively in the furtherance of your trade. So they're so, not allowed to be something that is also something else. So but I got my yeah. teeth whitened because I'm on Instagram. I'd have to go around that with my parents. I think so, like, yeah. yeah. I, couldn't show never, teeth. I, feel, <laughs> I feel that if revenue poked and prodded at that one, they might kind of go, look, yeah. it's making you look great and it's making you more saleable, but it's also helping you in your, your everyday. personal life. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'll give you an example of one that's uh, that I get all the time. Clothing. Yeah. Clothing yeah. is specifically disallowed by revenue because it's been tried in the courts. Yes, yeah, I have an issue with that. Sorry, I yeah. have a big issue with it. Let's yeah. have that debate because yeah. I know a lot of um, people from uh, influencers, if you want to call them, would be this as well. So I think, so let's say for argument's sake, I'm on Virgin Media Couch on Sunday morning talking about personal finance and I go in and I because I'm, I'm not being smart every time I do it because I should wear that before or you could just get yeah. paranoid because it goes online and you're just sure. whatever. Um, that should be allowable. Now, it, I know I can wear the clothes again. Yeah. 
But what if I didn't wear the clothes I, again? I agree it should be allowable, or at the very least, a proportion of it should be allowable. Yeah, a like proportion you, of it, yeah, like you, 50%, 20%. Exactly, something, yeah. something like that. But the reason revenue are so absolutely cocksure that it's not allowed part is because it was tried in a court case where a lady barrister had black clothing and she argued she would, wouldn't be seen dead in black, but she had to wear it for court. So it's necessary. Hmm. She wasn't allowed to be in court at the time. It's 1950s or something in London, I think. Oh, right. And the court held that not only was she presenting herself professionally in the way she needed to be presented to do the job, it was also providing her with modesty and warmth. And because of that, it wasn't wholly and exclusively. And therefore they threw it out. So Revenue have about wow. four lists of things that are specifically disallowed as a business self-employed expense. Clothing is one of them. Another one is business entertainment, which is you bringing yeah. anyone out for anything or gifts, anything like that, not allowable. And I suppose the reason for that one is that it's so easy to abuse. Yeah. Mm. Every dinner, every lunch becomes a business lunch, you know. Um, they also say that... Um, so food. just to say, for anyone that's putting them through, they're a business expense, but they're not allowed over taxes. So you can do it. You can yeah, but, do it, absolutely. Yeah. So the business, business can... Yeah, so the business... Yeah. So say for argument's sake, if one of my guys wanted to bring a client for lunch, I'd say, yeah, it was not deducted over tax. Yeah. So I just I don't want people thinking I, should, I can't bring anyone for lunch. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. a that's a very specific scenario where you've got employees who work for your business mm-hmm. and they're allowed to take some of the company's yeah. money and spend it on yeah. business. From a sole trader's point of view, they're they're just worried about is it tax deductible? Is it tax deductible? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. not. And there's yeah. a lot of times when I'm sure you're the same. You sit down for a coffee and someone goes, "I'll get us thinking on my tax." Like you just kind of, but we're just having and, a coffee. And, and that can that can be like somebody can, m- might bring you for lunch and they go, oh, "I'm going to get this because I'm going to claim back," and that's confusing because then the Poor yeah. gobshite goes away going, I should be doing that. And then they're speaking to me and I go, no, you shouldn't. No. Because yeah. we'll all get into Even trouble. if it is a business chat, you're sitting down to talk about whatever. Yeah. It's a casual chat. Actually, one of the things on that is I call them uh, barstool advisors. Be very careful where you get your advice from as Big well. From a t- like you, you really do. I'm not just saying this because... Uh, you know, Peter's in the room um, and I'm trying to plug Peter for business, but yeah. you need to go speak to somebody, whether it's Peter or somebody else, and make sure that you know what you're doing because just because your your brother, your cousin, the guy you have a point with the weekend or the girl you talk to or whatever it is, um, just because they're doing something, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right because they could have got information wrong from somebody else, somebody okay. else. And people always like to, to kind of they latch on to like if Peter, I presume you see this sometimes, but if Peter would give advice, somebody might not say ignore it being rude, mm-hmm. but somebody else might give advice that suits them better, <laughs> you know, oh. so they feel more subconsciously, hey, I can claim that, sure. he told me I could, totally. he's not an accountant. Yeah. So Peter, just, just so we're not confusing people yep. here, I just want to go back over something quickly okay. there because I can I can already imagine people taking what I said and what you said. So you were talking about sole traders, so someone that's a sole trader going out and having a business expense, bringing a client uh, for a meal and going on the beer. That's not allowable. The revenue are going to go, absolutely not. But I own my own limited company, so I have my limited company and my staff member or I want to bring a client out and I want the business to pay for it. That is allowable. That's allowed for the business decision to make that. But from tax reasons, it's not going to be written off. Exactly. Yeah. But the sole trader is not allowed to include the business entertainment, the meal as, as one an of their tax deductible. Yeah. And in your corporation tax return, it's one of the things that's removed, removed. as a deductible yeah. expense. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it ends up that meal is effectively, from the company's point of view, paid for out of after-tax earnings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And from a sole trader's point of view, it just gets removed. Just gets completely. removed completely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no advantage to the sole trader. So when you hear those, 
I'll go on, I'll get that coffee, I'll get the sandwich. That's correct. Tax man's paying it. He's not, you're paying it. Totally. Now, as I always say to clients, look, if, if 50 euro or 100 euro worth of coffees that you've had to sit in a, a coffee shop just to kind of get some work done or whatever, if they make their way into the tax return, revenue is not going to get too excited about it because 50 euro at the very most is going to save you 25 euro tax, 100 euro, 50 euro tax at the very most, possibly only 30 euro depending on your own marginal tax rate. But what I would, what I'd be saying here is, well, like, yeah. And, and sorry, I know from a, diff- a different point, I know you're talking about PA or self-employed yeah. people on different levels of income, especially yeah. in the acting world where people like you said might have a 60 grand bill and then a 20 grand bill. Mm-hmm. But ultimately speaking, you don't want to be sweating over 25 quid. Like no. you, you don't want to be there. No. And not number one, you don't want to be sweating about putting it in, but you also don't want to be that petty where you're trying to get away with 25 quid worth of coffee or the revenue is paying for a 24% of the three euro latte you just that's had. That's the kind of thing you're, you're just going, getting. How can I bring this down no matter what? And that's why I'm sure you get a million receipts from me included of just going, I think, I know you said this isn't there, but this was kind of this. You know, it, it kind of falls into that bracket and you're like, no, it still doesn't. So it's a kind of, you, you get your tax bill or what you perceive your tax bill to be and, and you just want to chip, 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 chip away at any way possible. And I think that's where a lot of the little kind of factors go, like 25 quid. Fuck, is that 25 quid and you do five of them? I know what I'm saying. It would make a difference if someone's earning 20 grand. Yes. Yeah. yeah but yeah. if someone's earning 60, 70 grand, yeah. they're honours probably like, just like why would you bother like hey, like in, in, rather than kind of chipping away at, it, at ways that you probably know are not allowed that's the time you start thinking about a pension contribution right. all those things that'll actually save you legitimately a decent chunk of tax yeah. Yeah. don't be worrying about the coffee just make a pension no. contribution and get the revenue back can hundreds, I, hundreds of euro rather than 20 yeah. 22 euro off a coffee can, yeah. can I expand further on the business entertainment so we talked about yeah. like you as a sole trader say you're an actor and you're bringing a director out because you really want to work with them and you bring them out for a bite to eat specifically not allowed but say you're a sole trader and you are in town for a meeting and you pay for your own lunch because you're in town you're away from your u- usual base that is specifically disallowed as well mm-hmm. food yeah. is not allowed as far as revenue is concerned food is not allowed apart from one very specific uh, scenario that they put on their website where food is allowed and that's if you're away from uh, your home base staying in a hotel and there's a reasonable amount of food on the hotel bill then if the accommodation is allowed so is the food that's all they say about food mm. as a sole trader buying food for yourself so you don't have any of the concept of subsistence or mileage no. none of that those are all employer employee concepts mm-hmm. so that's something and again go onto Revenue's website and just go food and drink is it allowable and see what they say so just on that people going into uh, being you know a sole trader having to deal with that um is it worth go- making a limited company? I'm sure you get asked this quite a lot as well. Yeah. Is it worth going into doing that? And so you're paying yourself. You are the employer. You are the employee as well. If you it, know what I mean. Yeah. It, sometimes clients come to me and say, I'm thinking of setting up a limited company. Yeah. And the first question I will ask them is why? Because to set up a limited company costs money, to run a limited company costs money, and to close down the limited company you realize you didn't need costs money as well. And my I'm answer charge- was to you, but I'll save loads in tax. So the reason people kind of say things like that is that the highest uh, tax rate for a self-employed person in Ireland is 55%. If you're lucky enough to learn, earn above 100 grand as a self-employed person, the bit above 100 grand gets taxed at 55%. You're getting 45 euro out of every 100 you earn. So you kind of go, and then you're also aware that the corporation tax or the headline corporation tax in Ireland is 12.5%. So you can go, well, why the fuck would I be paying 55% when I could pay 12.5%? That's not your tax bill. That's the company's tax bill. If you take the money out of the company, either as a salary 
or is it even worse, a dividend, which is after tax, then you just pay the same marginal rate of tax for yeah. your personal earnings you would otherwise. Yeah. And have the headache of owner, having the company. Well, exactly. the only thing I would say in that is that if you're earning, let's say you're earning over 100 grand in that example. And and this is where financial planning and accountants come together uh, in a really cool way, in my opinion. If you're in over 100 grand and your limited company has, uh, let's say you your, your personal life, you need five grand a month. Okay, so you're saying, look, I need to live on five grand a month, or three, let's say three grand a month, uh, which is 36 grand a year net income. That's what I need on a monthly basis of a grand for rent and two grand for myself. I need to take out of my living company about what, 50, 55 grand to get three grand net. The limited company then has 45 grand left over. If you don't need to take that out, you only get paid 12.5% corporation tax and it sits there. If you do that for 10 years, you know, have a limited company that has 450 grand and you do loads of weird and wonderful stuff for it, whether it's buying property or investment investment accounts, uh, you can take that money out tax efficiently then towards the end if loads of rules of return relief and entrepreneurial relief and loads of really cool stuff. Mm. But the big thing up here is looking at me going, yeah, but no one's doing that. They're fucking taking all the money out. <laughs> so you have to have a really high income and be able to, you have the really high profits. And this is where very, very, very few sole traders that rely on themselves, like actors, unfortunately, will get there because it's still their income. But you need to, in my opinion, for a limited company, you need to have, you know, income coming in above and beyond what you're generating. So usually staff, mm. um, and then there's like, you're technically going to have more profit then. But I think my rule is if you're working on your own for yourself, you're just going to probably spend all that money. Well, that, the key thing, you what you just said is that if you're earning a lot of money and you're not spending it all. Yeah. So why would you pay like, uh, say most people, if you're earning above 70 grand and below 100 grand, the, the t- rate of tax in there is about 52%. If you're taking that, sp- paying over 50% tax in it and then not spending it, mm-hmm. then it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. That's when you you think about setting up a company. And there's a lot of people that do do that where they just pay their tax. Like ta- I've seen people, actually just to touch on this quickly from mortgages point of view for self-employed and limited companies. Where I had someone on last week for a consultation for a mortgage and they were saying that they wanted to, they were a limited company, but they've told their, their, their limited company and they told their account to massively increase their salary from like 30 or 40 grand up to 100 grand so they can get the money for the mm. business, for the company. It's like, no, you have retained earnings. The bank will take retained earnings into consideration. Yeah. You don't have to increase your salary. So if you're, just to give it that example, you're a limited company and you're taking, say, let's keep the figure simple, a 50 grand salary a year and you can borrow four times that for a mortgage, just 200,000 euro. If you've also got an extra 100 grand in profits every year for the last few years, the bank will take that as income because it was your decision not to take it out as income, but you could have done. And that's called retained earnings. And so that in, in that instance, you'll have your 50 grand income, your 100 grand profit. You've got 150 grand, technically speaking, multiplied before so you get a 600 grand mortgage. But don't go and increase your wages to 150 grand and pay 75 grand tax to try and prove to a mortgage company that you have, you know, Income, because mm-hmm. the income is retained in the business, you're okay. Yep. Yeah. With mortgages and stuff like that, like with freelance workers or, you know, uh, me, um, mm-hmm. the challenges and kind of the pitfalls of that, uh, you know, what would you suggest they do to for to budget for a mortgage, particularly in our game, what we do, and, um, yeah. you know, so, inconsistent? Um, so say somebody is uh, thinking about going for a mortgage and they're a self-employed person and their income is say not not straight line you know mm. they're not making 50 grand every year it's it can be up and down i think what uh, planning is the key thing and i think possibly even planning and possibly even changing a few things changing the way they do things for for the two or three years it might take to get the mortgage mm-hmm. in other words take every single job you can get 
try and get it all as self-employed income because the revenue or the mortgage broker or the bank will look at the average of your self-employed income over two or three years, depending on which bank you go to. So if you kind of manage to get it looking fairly consistent and at a decent level, then you're in a much better position than going to them with a fantastic year followed by a crappy year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really want to kind of just balance that out. If you, in our job, you might know that sometimes you get the offer of going PAYE versus self-employed. Yeah. Take it all as self-employed if you can for a year or two, two years, so that again, you're presenting as a self-employed person. You know, yeah. you're not telling any lies. It's the fa- it's a yeah. fact, you know. It's the same as a, you know, PAY worker taking on an extra part-time PAY job just to kind of, you know, bulk up their earnings and, and whatever, as long as it's, you know, consistent and so forth. I think you're in a good position. And with artists and freelancers as well for, so say you have a PAY, say you can get a PAY job, like, you know, in a coffee shop or something like that. No harm. You No harm, but then you also have your self-employment job, if the odd acting job comes in or voiceovers, whatever it is, how do you... Yeah, I mean... So the bank can only take the average of the last three years in your sole trader income. So yeah. if you look at, they look over the average of your income. So if you earned like 20 grand last year and 60 grand this year and 10 grand in year but one. But can you, can you work as a PAY and yeah, then do stuff on the can, side yeah. as a soldier? Of course you can, yeah. Well, they look at the PAY stuff. They look at both. Just look at what your average earnings are. Okay. Yeah. So if your PAY work job in the whatever, just say the, the coffee shop is 30 grand a year or 24 grand a year mm. and you got an extra 20 grand every year for the last three years, your you're 42 grand is your income yeah. okay. in that example. And one thing, again, I see a little bit is... Um, People working hard to present themselves as a, a good prospect for a mortgage, getting the uh, mortgage approval in place and then changing what they're doing, leaving the part time yeah, job yeah. they've done for the last three years because now they've got the mortgage. And then the last thing, the bank go and check everything is still in place. Yeah. And the part time job one. is gone. Yeah. Happens all the time. Wow. Yeah. Even especially because approved. Yeah, yeah. Because the mortgage approval in some banks can only last six months. So if you're thinking of doing that, Bank of Warren is the best that lasts a year. Um, so yeah, Bank of Warren mortgage approval don't last really anything for the year. Mm. Where if your mortgage approval runs out in six months or your house falls through, you don't close your house within six months or draw down the mortgage in six months. You have to reapply. And if you reapply and now you don't have that part time income, yeah. they won't give you the mortgage. Yeah. But as well as so that, just be careful here because the, the, banks, you know, you mentioned a really good. You mentioned something really not good there, Peter. You're trying to present yourself as a as a viable, you know, um, client to the bank to give you money. They're giving you hundreds of thousands of euro. Like they're like someone's lending you hmm. a shit ton of money, and you have to pay it back. <laughs> um, and if you don't pay it back, you're losing your house. Like it is a serious thing. So just don't be trying to make up income for the yeah. like. If you're on twenty grand a year and your acting career, you know, I'm not saying that's not going well, hmm. but you know, if it's not where you wanted to be and you're earning grand a year. Don't be trying to get a mortgage. Don't be trying to get a job for six months to get a mortgage because then you're going to give up that job in six months' time because you still have to pay the mortgage. You're still going to pay the mortgage, obviously. And you can have all these dreams of people moving in and people helping you and people renting rooms. That's not necessarily a good idea if you only got 20 grand to back it up a year. Yeah. Uh, so don't be trying to slide one across by the bank and trying to make up job records just okay. for the sake of it. Good point. Um, just to say that. Yeah. So it's just being given a cue off of of my care. What are flat flat rate allowances? Okay, can't even say it. I don't even know what it is. It's a very good question, Paul. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> PAY workers in certain industries, certain sectors get uh, flat rate allowances. They've been agreed in the past, usually between a union and a sector, or sorry, between a union or a, an organisational body and revenue. Hmm. For example, any actors with freelance PAY acting income they get a flat rate 750 euro. What that does is when you start a new PAY job, you tell them who you're going to start with, 
uh, what the peop- what the employer number is, uh, what the start date. Tell revenue. Tell revenue, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, and this is all done v- via my account. Yeah. The second or third page when you're setting up a new employment is, are you working in any one of these industries? And that's why they're asking you. Mm-hmm. So you can go, oh, yes, I am actually. I'm working in the airline industry or I'm working as a shop assistant or I'm working in a bar trade, hotels, actor, lots of different ones. And if you tick that and then tick the next box as well, it will automatically code in a certain amount of your income, pretty small, but it helps, which will not be income taxed. Hmm. So for actors, it's the first 750 euro. For people working in hotels, I think it's 121 euro. And uh, for journalists, I think it's 381 euro, but there are different ones depending on your circumstances. Hold flat on. Red, flat red what allowances. The f- what's the story with financial planners? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> actors and journalists. <laughs> you don't have a strong enough union. Dinners on YouTube tonight. I'm not, have, I'm not standing for this. Not a hope. So yeah, flat, flat rate allowance is none available for financial advisors. Yeah, yeah. It's the irony there. Yeah, the irony. There. Yeah. Uh, okay, listen, I have a lot of questions sure. came in from our Instagram page so I'll let people know you were in today um, and I asked them had they got any questions for you. Uh, we also let them know just so you know that uh, Dev Toner was in and they had no questions for Dev but a lot of questions for you. So <laughs> you, can, you can go home and tell Lauren that you're more popular than Dev Toner at the moment. She'd be delighted. Uh, yeah, and you'd be delighted. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, okay, so uh, quickly, uh, we'll get through a few of these. Um, can you recommend any good savings options for self-employed? Any good tax savings options for self-employed? Mentioned a few already, but yeah, yeah the, maybe. The, the first one, the, the, the main one is pensions. So you're allowed to put in a certain amount of money, depending on your age and the overall level of your income, into a pension. The pension could be a very simple PRSA, which is a personal retirement savings account, uh, or it could be an RAC, a retirement annuity contract, or there's a few other different variations on a theme there. Basically, you can put money in and you can save income tax. Uh, You save the income tax at the highest level you're paying income tax. So that's either going to be 20% or 40%. If you have money left over at the end of every year, that's the first thing you can do. And here's the great thing about it. You can get to the end of, say, 2022. You can work out your tax bill or if you're a PAYE worker, you'll know it already, what your tax is. But you have until the 31st of October 2023 to make the pension contribution and set it back against your 2022 income. And when I say 31st of October, in fact, that's actually extended with the Ross extension to usually around the 15th or 16th of November. This year is the 15th of November. So you have buckets of time to figure out, A, can you afford it? B, how much it's going to save you in tax. Usually, if you've got money left over, you're probably on a high wage. So you're probably paying income tax at 40%. So you could put 10 grand into a pension, save four grand in tax. So it's only cost you six grand. The 10 grand then, depending on your investment options, it will grow and grow and grow. So by the time you retire, it's going to be worth a lot more than 10 grand. It only ever cost you six grand. That's the first thing I would do. Mm. The second thing I would do is just make sure you're tracking all of your business expenses. Don't let anything... Don't lose your receipts. Don't just get a system in place so that yeah. you're not, you know, second. There's loads yourself. of really cool software out there mm. as well that is cheap as chips. Sort of yeah. accounts is one. I don't know what you use. There's loads of different ones. Yeah. Like, sort of one. But um, creating good habits as well with yeah. that stuff. As well. It is just taking a quick snap of receipt as well. Pleo, yeah. just see the Pleo cards. I like the Pleo oh, cards. Yeah, it's, yeah. P- it's Pleo. That's really good. Where you can, go, and it's kind of like a top up service where you put your money on it, and they take a, a copy of a receipt. It yeah. loads up to the app, um, and it will. So your tax tells you what you've paid on VAT and everything. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. It breaks up your receipts for you and it keeps a track of them. So if it, that's right, that's a Pleo card. It's really good for company expenses, but you can use them for self-employed yeah. as well. Yeah. Just, sorry, um, just before you do that, Don, just because we hit, hit touched on pensions there, which you might get again as well, but the amount of actors that talk to me about pensions 
and just go like what is it I, we obviously know what they're for but oh, like how do you start it okay how much do you pay every week do you have to pay a minimum amount Th- this is very 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 easy um, a, a pension is just a long term savings account so forget everything you know about pensions or all the blockers that are in your head it's a savings account that's all it is you're putting money in savings account that you can't access till you're 60 mm. literally if you're in a limited company structure and you're a company owner and you wind down the company or sell your shares you can access it from 50 so you know it's not that bad if you're in a company it's a little bit like time wise um, and it's, it's just a savings account so it's like just think about going into a bank and opening a bank account and saying I'm going to put money aside there and I can't get it until 60 now it gets complicated the first thing you can do is get tax relief so we've used an example if you're on the high rate of income tax and you put in 10 grand or 100 quid whatever it is you're going to get 40% relief from the revenue so they're going to allow you a deduction of 40 euro uh, on every 100 quid if you're on the lower of income tax or so earn less than 40 grand, you're going to get 20% relief. So you're already getting 40 quid back or 20 quid back for every 100 euro you put in. That's a phenomenal return. Like before, like we're going to talk about probably cryptocurrency in a future podcast. We talked about investing already as well. I could talk about like, oh, I got this really good fund. It's on 11% per annum over 10 years. It's brilliant, which I do invest in and loads of people invest in with me. Um nowhere near as good as a return as the pension which is 40% of your money back there and then or 20% so when you then put the money into the savings account you get tax relief you can leave it sitting cash just like a normal savings account but you'd be mad to do it because you're going to be sitting there for maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 years so you should invest it because you can make more money on your money you make your money work harder for you Mm. so there's only two three things you need to know one is a savings account two you get tax relief and three you invest it rather than just leaving it sitting in cash and that's it. And rather than let it, if you have a certain amount of savings, leaving it in your literal savings account in the bank where it deducts the money. And, well, you you'd know. access it, you see. This is the problem. So a pension yeah, is supposed to be there. It. I think it's a good thing that you can't access it, to be yeah. fair. Now, I do think revenue should bring stuff out like if you're having kids, going on maternity leave, buying a house or some big life events, you should be able to get maybe a percentage of your pension. I think that would encourage people to get in cheap, uh, the younger age, to be mm-hmm. fair, but they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, can, you can't you access it. And how, how little can you pay a month or how much? How, typically, I think it's 50 quid or 70 yeah. quid is the lowest pension. But what, what you want to be thinking about the pension plan is it's long-term savings, tax relief, and you invest it. That's it. And, you know, give me a shout, reach out on Instagram to the Ask Paul page, do pension cuttage all the time. And the reason I'm saying that is I I hate saying that to people because it sounds like this is for us to do business. It's not. This is just about financial plan discussions. But the worst place you can go for a pension is a bank, okay? Because pensions come with charging structures because they're they're, they're, they're expensive to operate. Um, So there's charging structures and the banks are just a broker to most of the life insurance companies. So Bank of Ireland is tied to New Ireland Life Insurance and every other bank is practically short Irish life. So you got, and they're expensive. Banks are expensive to operate. So therefore, their charges and their commissions are much higher than you will see typically uh, with a smaller, more independent broker field. So uh, yeah, get good advice somewhere. We hit on that in, in the pension thing where you can change your pension and stuff like that. in the pension yeah, can. in season one. Yeah, 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 you can. You can change your pension. You can move it around. Yeah. You can lose over your pension. But if you haven't got a pension, reach out. We get your sort of and bring you through everything you need to know. But, you know, it's the most tax efficient way to build wealth in Ireland. Whether you're on 20 grand or whether on 100 grand or 200 grand, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah. Can, can I can I throw in two things? Yeah. Uh, Paul, you asked, like, if you 
make a commitment to start a pension, do you, are you stuck with that? Because yeah. I think that's one of the things people are nervous, if they're, yeah, particularly yeah. if they're on kind of income that's up and down. No, you can no. pull back. There's great flexibility. You can do it as a one-off or you can do it per month or you can sh- swap and change. I think, Paul, anyway, can't you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. What you're better off doing, if I just look at the setup, most self-employed people do a tax return at the end of the end October yeah. for the previous year. Yeah or by October for the previous year, you can make a once-off pension contribution then to reduce your bill. Mm. Uh, really good idea. But you have to have the cash flow to do it. You yeah. have to have your tax and the pension contribution. Two hundred yeah, together. Yeah. Um, or you can set them up monthly. So if you're listening to, just say for argument's sake, just I'm going to pick a date, um, it's January 2024. If you set up €100 Euro a month into the pension from January 2024, at the end of 2024, you're going to have 1200 quid. So when you do your taxes in 2025 for 2024, you're going to have €1,200 Euro off right against your tax bill. The exactly. percentage of yeah, whatever brilliant. income tax you're on. Um, I would always recommend going into a pension, especially if you're investing on a monthly basis, if you can, and then top it up at the end of the year if your accountant. So Peter comes, he says, Look, Paul, for example, you've got 200 quid a month going to your pension plan, you could put another three grand in, and mm. you do that then later. Because what you're doing then, if you live for, you get to 30 years retirement age, say, so say you're 40 and you go to 65, 25 years retirement age, if you do it annually, you know, you've got 25 contributions yeah. you know 25 times going into the marketplace if you do a monthly you've got who's good at maths 12 multiplied by 25 everyone's shaking the head uh, <laughs> you got, you're, you're, you're like, going what? in way more into the into exactly. things so 240 50 60 200 and 300 times so you've got way more contributions going into the markets uh, that way that's why I like going in a monthly basis yeah. for your pension rather than annually but you yeah. can do both that's yeah. the point but you can stop it you can increase you can decrease you do whatever you want yeah and there's one final thing yeah. I want to say about pensions there's something coming down the road for PAY workers in particular that's going to change uh, the landscape. Or is it coming oh, down I don't the think road? it's coming down the road. Do you, think, <laughs> you don't think it's going to come down at no, all? No, you're talking about auto-enrollment. I am talking yes. about What's auto-enrollment. 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 Okay. So auto-enrollment is where the government... Are going, sorry, this is yours. Not at no. all. Uh, you yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, so it's where the government are going to make uh, everybody oh, yes. put money into their pension plan uh, where the company... Sorry, the employer, the employee and the revenue all put a bid in. Really successful in Australia and loads of other countries. I, I think we might be the only EU country that, that doesn't don't have do it. it. Yeah, really? Yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's really successful in the UK yeah. as well. So, why, so it, it's, called, it's called an opt-out. So uh, you, you, you automatically get enrolled so it's auto-enrollment mm. and then you can opt-out after six months or a year where you can say, look, I'm not doing that. The... the the reason I don't think it's going to happen, sorry, it will happen eventually, it's not going to happen next year, mm-hmm. is because of the cost of living crisis and interest rate rises as well. Now, you could argue, and they'd be right to argue that it's never going to be a good time, but there was loads of good times, and they were like 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, and five years ago. <laughs> so to find the best time, you have to look back, which is obviously frustrating, but I don't think it's going to happen next year. It's, I think they're going to kick it down the road. That's the problem with our governments every four years. Yeah, and it's going to cost employers because employers have to make Massive. a contribution on, tro- on top of the employees. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. But a lot of these are for a lot of people that aren't in pensions or those people that aren't in company pension plans in particular uh, would be typically not saying lower income but smaller companies mm. and lower income yeah. and you know that gig economy people working from different restaurants or different pub or they, 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 they won't have the appetite from those employees no, to contribute. They, they just won't. They won't. Where when it was done 10 years ago was before company pensions were really, or 20 years ago, whatever you were done, they, they brought it in and that everybody got access to them. And so it just kind of came a norm. So even companies that were big enough to put in company pensions just fell into the auto-enrollment system. Mm-hmm. So it made the auto-enrollment system more successful where we're just going after those that aren't in any company pension plan. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit weird how we're structured, but I, yeah. I, 
from the, the employers have way too much cost at them at the cost of living crisis. So do employees. Mm-hmm. Imagine man, someone saying to someone on minimum wage in the day's environment that, oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> you have to put money in your pension no, plan I, now. I, I have to be honest now, uh, philosophically, I think it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And I really think, I really hope that uh, it does come in. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be, because I think that, like as, as they keep talking about, like we are in, big trouble in this country in terms of pensions and it's it's you know they talk about the pension cliff in the country uh, the pension know, time bomb a total pro- yeah. proper p- uh, pension time bomb with uh, state pensions not being particularly significant mm-hmm. and people kind of living in the moment and kind of getting on with it being made to put a certain percentage away and your employer being made to match it and the government being made to match it I think it's sorry but yeah. I, I agree with you I think it's a brilliant move we should have done it years ago but I just think they're going to cut they're going to yeah. they're going to bottle they're going to bottle they're going to bottle they're going to bottle they're 100% so going to bottle so on that so say the people who do have pensions particularly people getting new into having pensions over that not that they should be holding out because no, no, has, no 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 Jesus know, don't hold yeah. out but what would it mean and what has it meant? It'd be 80 if you're still waiting yeah, for yeah. this to happen. Yeah, it's going to come in. Um, but what That's would, your eight-year-old uh, voice. Yeah, I do any voice, whatever. I'm an actor, professional. That's what I do. Um, but the, you're, you're a podcaster. Yeah, I know, I am now. The thing about it is in those countries or say in this country, say it was coming in, what happens to the people who already have a pension? With a they company? just stay in their pension plan. Yeah, they just continue. They don't. If, if you've got an employee pension scheme, it has to be as good as the oh, order okay. Which it will be because like one percent, one percent there and off okay. it will be. Um, and if you're a self-employed person, it's completely separate. Auto enrollment is just for PAY workers. Yeah. And I think there's an income limit of 20 grand yeah. below which you're not even included. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just thought I'd mention that. People look up auto enrollment. Auto enrollment. Yeah. We, we really enjoyed this, this conversation, by the way, but we're completely over time. Um, and there was loads of questions in from Instagram, but we'll get back to them uh, from an Instagram platform point of view. Sure. But hey, questions for you before we wrap up. Okay. And quick four questions. Best financial decision you've ever made? Yeah, and this might sting some people listening. Buying a house, even though I bought the first, I, I bought a house twice in my life. The first one was just before the crash and I bought it and uh, five years later it was worth little more than half a little just slightly more than half what I paid for it but it came back again and the mortgage was always less than I would have paid in rent buying a house getting my foot on that ladder even the timing's never good but that was the best financial decision I ever made Great. that was in 2004 and I lived in it for <laughs> quite a while everyone lived in that house everyone for quite a while yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, and it was tiny yeah, yeah it's very brilliant. good okay um, worst financial decision acting <laughs> Acting, yeah, leaving, yeah. I, I, I trained with one of the big four accountancy firm and uh, when I went home and told my parents I was leaving full-time accountancy uh, with one of the big four firms to become an actor and my father practically wept. And um, no, I, I'm joking. It was the best thing was I ever Was that the day, the, the day you qualified, you were like, yeah. I took a part, the day I've qualified on the 30th of April, 1999 and on the 2nd or 3rd of May, Jesus, it's the 23rd or 4th, 24th anniversary, uh, about the next day I took a part-time accountancy job and went into the library to read about being an actor. (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, no, worst financial decision I've made. Uh, I mentioned I bought two houses. I bought an investment property at the very height of the boom, 2008 on 100% borrowed money from one of the banks who are only too happy to give it to a part-time accountant slash actor because things were so crazy. I bought that apartment. I eventually offloaded that apartment. I'm going to use some bad language there. uh, About a year ago for less than I paid for it 14 Mm. years ago. And I was never so glad 
to just get rid of it. Yeah. So your best decision was buying, buying a house and your worst decision was buying, buying a house. Apartment. That so sums up the Celtic yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tiger fact, and, and reality. The, the, the play that Paul mentioned, money, that was all about that. that the play, was the about, one-man play you wrote yes. was all about what he was talking it about. It was about almost, in fact, it started with almost buying an, an apartment in 1995 in Dublin for 40 grand on the keys and getting advice from the estate agent my father worked with, 10 reasons why it was a really bad decision. Ten, and I still remember them now and they all went into play. And it was really, I put that story in as an illustration of nobody knew what was coming. Yeah. Even the experts. And then the second part of the play is me buying the house and that was the security. And then the third part was me buying this apartment <laughs> in Finglas yeah. in 2008 at the very height of a bubble. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I try, I'm really interested. I haven't sure. asked any guests this one. What's your biggest learning being with money? Yeah. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I left full-time accountancy to become an artist and an actor and I didn't give a shit about money. I, I actively uh, discouraged myself from caring too much about it. And when I hit my 40s and I had a kid, all of a sudden I had money anxiety that I never expected. It came out of nowhere and I had to teach myself that we live in a world where you are told constantly you don't have enough, you won't have enough, mm. you need to do more to get more and it makes you unhappy and it makes you anxious. And I had to take a step back and I had to go, what is really important? Why do you want the money? And you want the money for that security so you don't feel anxious about running out of it. But what do you actually spend it on? So I took a really good hard look. I was one of these people who constantly went in and bought DVDs and never even took them out of the pa package. And I now, if I'm spending 50 cent or a hundred euro, I go, do I need it? Do I want it? Do I really want it? I'm not, I'm not mean. Mm. I'm absolutely not mean. But I think about every penny I spend and go, I'm spending this to get that little jolt. And if that's the only reason I'm doing it, I don't do it. Yeah, you don't need it. Yeah. That way. It's loads of way more, I, I way bought, more better ways to get your jolts. I, I bought Hamilton tickets this morning. Did when you? When came online. I did. Because Again, he I, knows yeah, every word. Uh, because it's, uh, because I went to see it in London <laughs> and they're expensive and I, that's the money best spent. Yeah, experiences. that's great. The experiences. experiences. Yeah. I agree with you. I yeah. would agree with you, Greg. Yeah. Seeing the West End one day. Yeah, you, yeah. You, yeah, you love it as well. I yeah. love the West End. <laughs> Have you seen Hamilton yet? No, I haven't actually. Oh, no, no, missed it. It's incredible. It was booked. It was well, sold. It's out coming to Borgash. Yeah, I heard yeah, that yeah. shit. Although, sorry, I'm getting off topic. I don't like the Borgash. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm Irish and all <laughs> that crack, but I've seen one or two gigs, sorry. West End gigs on that stage. It's just not, it's not, no, it's just not the same as the West End. Yeah. The West End is yeah, the West End. It's the place to go see something like that. All right. On that lovely note, my experience at the West End and the Borgash and Dublin, thank you very much for coming in uh, and thanks for your time. It is really, really appreciated. And uh, say hi to Lauren from me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Lovely to be thanks, here. Thanks, Mr. Lovely to thank chat. You. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Two Pauls and a Pod podcast. If you've liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe to more episodes. We'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any financial questions or if you have feedback from the show, just go to askpaul.ie or check out Paul's Instagram account on Ask Paul. And don't forget you can find Paul Reed on Paolo Rito on Instagram. Thanks, Paul. <laughs>